Hey, everybody. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. And I'm Bob. And we're from the Misdirected Mark podcast, and you're listening to Gaming and BS. With twice as much Wisconsin cheese. Welcome to Gaming and BS episode 71, where we're going to be talking about Dungeon Crawl Classics from Goodman Games. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. If you're new, glad to have you on board. Yes, indeed. Let's kick this sucker off, Brett. Let us do it. All right. In the announcements category, I was at, talked about this last couple of shows, I was at Evercon, a, uh, evercon.org if you're interested in it. It's a uh, small convention run by uh, the high school I went to, uh, DC Everest, up in my hometown of Wausau, Wisconsin. And I think they had probably 12, 1,300 people come through. It just It's a day and a half. It's all day Saturday. Um, from 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. and only half the day on Friday, basically at four o'clock when school's over, we quickly do the rest of our setup work and then and then kick the thing off. But it was a heck of a heck of a time. I uh, I ran. Did you kill Call any? Cthulhu. Did you kill any players? Yes, I did. Um, awesome. Most of them were children too, which made me awesome. Oh wait, no characters, characters, not players. Players were not slain, just characters. I only kill characters at cons because it's hard to hide bodies. Anywhere else. Anyway, um, uh, my boys had a good, really good time there. Brought both my sons, which was their first convention. Um, AJ's nine. He's like, I want to play Call of Cthulhu with you, Dad. And I'm like, uh, this is, I don't know if he's going to get into this, and I might have to you know, kick him out if he doesn't go well. He just dove right in. There were three other kids there, like early teens. One was probably 12. And uh, the Cthulhu game I ran was super tight. And D&D 5e went really well. Let's see, what else did I do? I think I did those two. Oh, and I ran a red box because Frank Menster was a, a guest of honor there. And my boy Connor had a chance to play with him for about three, four hours. So that was a hoot. Frank was uh, just awesome. I was expecting at this little bitty con, I'm like, I wonder who's heard of Frank Menster here, all these high school kids and so forth. But every grognard in the Wassa area showed up, mobbed the guy, autographs, everything. It was cool to see him. And I got to see some BSers. Jeff Rademacher showed up. Uh, Kevin Lovecraft and Austin were there, as well as, of course, my buddy Zave, and, who's also part of the con, along with uh, Alpha Bill. So that was cool. JR showed up? Uh, yes, JR showed up briefly, too. Excellent. And I got to reconnect with an old gamer friend of mine, Nick. I hadn't seen him since he um, – uh, he's now ex-Army. But before he um, redeployed was the last time I'd seen him, which was ages ago. So it was kind of cool to see him back. I heard Chad Knight got inducted into the DCE Hall of Fame. Yes, the Gaming Club Hall of Fame. Wow. Inducted, yes. We call, we call it being induced. Just induced? Induced <laughs> into the Hall of Fame. It's a small, they're trying to make a very solemn affair of it, and it's really cool thing. So, of course, I'm in the back, and as soon as I call Chad's name, I scream, We love you, Chad! As loud as I can, which is fun. Make and well-deserved, I'm sure. <laughs> like the, Chad puts a ton of effort into that con and everything around that gaming club. So it's really cool. Yeah. Well, that's And good. Um, on a sad note, I now, this is the first podcast I have with my new reading glasses. I have apparently become old and I can no longer read because my arms are too goddamn short. So I now have reading glasses. And for the- that Looking at computers, everything is a hell of a lot sharper with these things on. Right. And, I, and most people, um, when you wear glasses, they're told that they look more intelligent, but that doesn't apply to you, Brett. I just assumed you can't get more intelligent looking than I already was. 
and I was already <laughs> at the pinnacle. So now I just look like a bearded nerd. That's <laughs> basically where I'm at. Anyway, that's all I had. Sean, you got any announcements? The older you get, more the nerdier you will become. There you go. No, I don't have any announcements. Let's get him in a random encounter, dude. Listener time. Random encounter, element of the show, segment of the show, part of the show, where we talk emails, voicemails, and comments from social media, and from you. You want to read the first one? You want me to get it, Brett? You start. Mark Dawson, official archivist of Gaming MBS, emails us, hey, BSers, as the, then he quotes himself, unofficial archivist of the show. We actually had a meeting, Sean. You are the official archivist. We've, we've. That's that's been done. Yep. There's, there, you will receive the same pay as you were previously, so expect the same zero dollars in your wallet. That's right, Mark. I'm able to confirm with certainty that there has not been a previous mention of tabletopaudio.com during die roll. So last week on die roll, we had tabletopaudio.com as a die roll. I thought we might have mentioned it prior, but we did not. So he is confirming that as a good archivist should. As well, he should. Plus, there's the handsomely redesigned website that catalogs every die roll you've ever featured on Gaming NBS, so I was able to double-check my facts. There's a redesigned website that catalogs our every die roll? I think that would be um, the thing you, the oh. the web design you did. He's telling you, Sean, you did a good job redesigning the website. Thank oh, you, Oh, okay. Thick. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I got gotcha. you. We're, we're slow today. Slow. Thanks. Re- oh, he continues. We'll get through this. Regarding the main topic of the past two episodes, admittedly, I've not played any of the Star Wars RPGs despite being a fanboy. Most reviews I've heard of the current fantasy flight system for Star Wars echo your own, though. Seems like a pretty steep learning curve, but a lot of fun once everyone gets the hang of interpreting the dice. I've heard one complaint that the dice mechanic can get a little tedious, especially at higher levels where even more dice are involved, but I applaud Fantasy Flight Games' efforts on boldly going where no man has gone. Er, wait, wrong star reference. Sorry. I liked it. <laughs> I don't I don't like that's very funny, Brett. It's funny to me. <laughs> Keep going. Anywho, the majority of role players stop role playing as soon as combat begins. Everything becomes very tactical, mechanical, and lacks any relevance to plot or story. Action should propel the story forward, not take us out of it. So introducing a dice mechanic that encourages details and forces, no pun intended, narrative responsibility on the players is a great idea. Moving on to episode 71 and beyond, you mentioned topics have already been chosen for every show through May of this year. Do you have the schedule posted anywhere so that listeners might contribute content in advance? Keep up the quality gaming. So... Mark, yeah, we did post a, maybe a link to the spreadsheet. I actually don't know if we did or if we just kind of copy-pasted it somewhere. If it's not up, we will make sure it does get up. Yeah, we'll share it uh, uh, out to the public, and I think everything's pretty much set. We'll probably move things here and there as needed, but uh, yeah. On the cool. topic of the dice, I was talking with Kevin and Austin. We're both playing in Sean's game. We were talking at Evercon, and I said... Um, I, I've got the hang of the dice now, and there's so much freaking fun to roll because I want to see what comes of them now. So every time we have an opportunity to roll the dice in Edge of the Empire, I'm like, look, can I roll some dice now, please? Because I want to do something cool. I want to make up something. I want to do this thing. And uh, it's a blast. So it, it becomes fun to do it. I like it. Brett's like a little kitten in dice. Yeah, he, a like, little bit. He gets to the table and kind of swats them around with his hands, and he wants <laughs> he wants to roll them. He's like, can I get them? 
Can I? Can I? Can I? He, Come on. Give me I, a boost. Come on. Give me a boost die. Give me right. a boost die. Can I get a boost die? And then he kind of knocks the red around. Ones, red ones are bad. I want a bad one. I want to see what happens when I do something bad. It's quite amusing. You want to take Zach's? Thanks for writing in, Mark. Much appreciated. And thanks for keeping us on, on track and, and keeping track of us. Yes, Zach Corbin on Facebook. He commented in our group over there on episode 68, ending the campaign. Um, I heard, uh, as I heard from Phil, uh, from misdirected Mark recently saying most campaigns have unfortunately ended with, so do you guys want to play something else <laughs> or some variant of that? But once, just once I actually ended the game. Well, I was running a star Wars game set during the rebellion era using savage worlds that had the PCs go from novice rank, uh, to well into legendary over the course of a few years of off and on gaming during the game. They had tan- uh, tangentially interacted with the main star Wars heroes and story like the time they captured the rancor, uh, for B- Bib Fortuna as a gift for Jabba. I think I knew who the first person was. I know who the second one is. Um, that was me talking, not the uh, author here. Uh, or blasting on Mos Eisley Spaceport as Vader's Star Destroyer was capturing uh, the tentative V. Anyway, I decided that the PCs would be present for the Battle of Endor, but since they weren't part of the Rebellion, I kind of tricked them into being there. Long story short, they completely changed the course of the battle, including a lightsaber duel, an ancient ruin ending in a PC's death, a Super Star Destroyer crashing into the moon and starting a gigantic forest fire, other PCs having to escape their ruined transport and escape pods. It was an epic way to finish off the game that left them wondering what would happen next while completing the arc of the story. I don't, if, don't know if I'll be able to catch that lightning in a bottle again, but damn it, will I try. Nice. I like the fact that there's a large forest fire where there's Ewoks so that there's just roasted Ewok carcasses everywhere. Where's Wayne? Wayne would not <laughs> appreciate that comment at all. Wayne will be mad. Wayne is Wayne. Wayne is across from me, and he's sleeping. So he's lucky. You were lucky you didn't hear that. For those who don't know, Wayne is our house Ewok. He uh, he, he drinks a lot, and he mooches off. Of we Sean. found him by in Janesville near Noble Night Games, and put Thumb him on a ride. We strapped him on the back of Sean's Beamer, and we just rode off. Yep, we have a collection dedicated to Wayne on Google Plus. If you are really unfamiliar with Wayne, get to know him, even though he's quite an <laughs> asshole. But I tell you what, man, Zach, I like I like the story, and. Um, some of the best gamer war stories are like, oh, this is how this thing happened. And when you end a campaign in this really cool epic or ma- really awesome format, it's really neat because if nothing else, when I read stuff like that, when I hear that from fellow gamers, I draw inspiration from it going, that's cool. I don't like Star Wars, as I've said before, but guess what? I could turn this into a Firefly ending. I could turn this into this other ending. It's uh, it's always cool to hear that stuff, especially when it goes well. I can pick out the gems and move on from there. Next one is yours, sir. Jim Fitzpatrick, fellow Irishman, I'm guessing, writes, Hey, Brett and Sean, new fan of the show, working my way through the back catalog over the past few weeks and also listening to new episodes as they come out. So before I go any further, I listened to episode one. Man, it totally sucks. Big ass, Brett. We really? gotta, Yeah, it's terrible. That's a shame. I was probably really on, and it was you who were stumbling. Is that true? I don't know. We got to re-record some of that old <laughs> we have to stuff. Re-record because what of happens that. is one person will like listen to it and go, "I started at one and I didn't like it." One person actually wrote in and said they didn't like it, but they came back. Right? We mentioned them on the <clears throat> in one oh, of the yeah, shows. Yeah. But yeah, some of those are poof. Wow. But part of it's the it's the epic story of uh, how we grew from this little bitty fledgling. Never mind. Anyway, that's yeah, a good idea. We yeah. should probably re-record them. All right. So, hey, Jim, thanks for actually listening and then sticking with them, sticking with us past like episode five, six, and seven, because I don't think they got there hardly decent until after that. All right. Anyways, I'm about halfway caught up with enjoying the great. Okay. Great way to break up the boredom of work. 
Also, thanks for all the news about the local scene, uh, FLGSs and cons and stuff. I'm newish to Madison, and it really helps. Hey, Mad City local guy. Woot, woot. Excellent. Cheese and beer for you, buddy. I like him already. Hope he's going to GaryCon. Hope you're going to GaryCon, Jim. When is that? That's the uh, first part of March. First weekend in March. We went over this before the show started, Brett. Focus, buddy. That, 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 that's a pitch for you to say the words. Anyway, keep on. Oh, keep yes. On. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, Brett. One thing I didn't see anywhere in the feed is an episode about non-combat encounters that still use dice. A ton of systems have a mechanic for this. D&D 4E and Fate come to mind most quickly for me. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but would be interested to hear. Must put down on future topic. Already the, done. The players, did you do it? Yes, I did. Good job, Brett. I, uh, thank you. The players in the Pathfinder game that I run loved it when I house ruled 4E style skill challenges into Pathfinder, and now they ask for skill challenges all the time. I'm also writing a half-assed series of posts on Medium when I can get to them about the theory of these encounters and how I'm converting them to 5E. If you want to read them, they're here. And then ah, I, we'll have to have a link in the show notes for this. No need to pimp that if this is somehow ends up as a topic, but if you, you can if you want. Anyway, just oh. a thought. Keep up the good work. Beer for each of you on me next time we're at the same con. Oh, now she, Jim is now my new favorite person. Yay, Jim. And so for those of you that are not aware of like the skill challenge in 4E, it's it's a set of skills, skill challenges, uh, set of skills challenges. It's skill checks in a series. And based on the amount that you pass and how well determines kind of the overall scene. And you can have multiple people involved with those skill checks. So think of the best analogy I could think of in visualization would be like the Italian job. So if they're pulling off the big heist, You've got the hacker guy that's on the computer doing the traffic lights, and then you have the people that are actually um, driving the cars and all that stuff. So everything kind of has to come into place, and different people make different checks, and then based on how many checks you succeed on will kind of determine the results. In a so nutshell. if we were FFGing it for our Star Wars game, we'd be boost dice across the table and Force dice and other things like that. So similar type of approach. I think so. It, it makes some of the boring. It sounds like it makes some of the boring, quote unquote, uh, skill checks a little more exciting. Everybody's got something to do with it. A little more uh, challenge. Add some narrative coolness. That would Neat. be that would be correct. Have you run skill challenges, Brett? Not like that. I've done things similar to that. You know, where people you have to roll. Ex- um, used to you know, back in Vampire Days when I ran that, we I would they're trying to do something like, look, you need a total of fifteen successes. Everybody go. And this person would roll, and they would get two. Yay, we got two. Okay, two off of 15. You know, somebody else does the math because Brett can't. So we got 13 left, and then bam, 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 you work your way through. And it comes down to they would usually save the last guy. I would tell them who they can roll whatever order they want. The guy who had the biggest die pool, because the die pool mechanic, would wait to to be the last guy because he had the best chance to make up whatever slack was out there. So, And then if they succeeded early, any other additional successes just was more, you know, kick-assness that they were able to add into the scene. Kind of fun. Cool. So thanks for everybody writing in. Absolutely. Jim, I expect to see you at Gary Con. At least walk in and buy me a beer and then you can leave. And I'll tell you what, I'll even introduce you to somebody um, coming up here in a second. (laughs) 
All right, topic of the week is Dungeon Crawl Classics. <laughs> yeah, Sean and I have talked about this a bunch, right? We're talking about Goodman Games, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Sean has run it. He has played it. I have not had the opportunity to do either of those things, only read it a number of times, and I have stolen stuff from it for my other games, which I liked. And I'm like, you know what? I got to get a, I got to get an opportunity to do it. This last Game Hole Con, I was going to. Time didn't allow it. Damn it, we got to do it. But, Sean... We had to bring in somebody who's a hell of a lot smarter than both you and I. We and do. also try to bring a little extra class to the show. What yes. What did we do? And we, we hit it twice. We got we fulfilled both requirements. So this week, we're talking about Dungeon Crawl Classics, like we mentioned. And so we have a woman spent half her life cultivating her gaming pedigree and dice collection. It began with Lovecraftian horror and later D&D. She started running open table DCC RPG sessions in 2012 She's on the writing team for the Hobby Shop Dungeon slash Crossroads to Adventure Project. You can find her a few games, game cons across the U.S. to include Gary Con in March. Jim, awesome. so I can introduce you to her. She is co-host on not one, but two awesome DCC-related podcasts, Spellburn, show that covers everything DCC, and Santum Sacorum, a show that explores Appendix N literature and Dungeon Crawl Classics. Please welcome to the show... Jen Brinkman. Hello, Jen. Hey, guys. Awesome. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks for joining the show, Jen. So we've asked Jen to be on here. I've actually gamed with Jen at Gary Khan. She wrote, she ran the Brandywine. Oh, yes. They served Brandolin Red. Brandolin Red. That's what One it was. One of the play tests for it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. That's right. You were there. Mm-hmm. Well, it, thank you for filling out my table. Yeah. Was it the, the, <laughs> my the, very first convention game, actually. It awesome. was, yeah. And you didn't, and nobody punched you in the face. Uh, so far, give it time. I mean, it, it's bound to happen eventually, right? No. Well, every or, game, or, every game, just got you. A scar. you see this one on the side I got from, no. I'm well, the reason I say that, there's a guy in podcasting where he kind of talks about just kind of do it, right? Just put it out there, do it. And nobody will punch you in the face. Okay. Fair enough. That's fairly sound. That's where it comes from. Okay. Never mind. Anyways, <laughs> Dungeon Crawl Classics is a unique page. What the, oh, I thought I was going to, I had the tome near me, but it is a big, it's a big book. It is. It is <laughs> Jen very and big. Brett are both holding these up so that Sean can see the <laughs> girth of the book. I could, I, I, I mean, not even I, but my young, my young daughter, seven years old, if she hit you with this book, she would fucking kill you with this book. This book is gigantic and it is full of awesomeness. It's like what, 450 pages. Oh Christ, dude. Uh, I think it's about 480 after all the ads. Yeah. 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 So people um, are like, whoa, 480. Well, fourth printing is going to be a little bit bigger too, especially with their gate folds, with the, uh, the reference charts that they're putting in there and sweet. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so, Jen, the well, the, I can't talk. We can't talk Dungeon Crawl Classics without talking Appendix N, right? This so, is true. Appendix N. For those who do not know, if you've not played First Edition AD and D, go find a buddy who's got a copy. Pull it off your shelf. Blow the dust off. Crack to the back. There's a section called Appendix N. Sean, what's in Appendix N in the AD and D book? A uh, list of books. <laughs> a massive list of books that Mister Gygax. Uh, e. Gary Gygax, that is, of course, found inspirational. We're talking about uh, Fritz Leiber's Lankmar series. Um, 
the Fritz Leiber, Tolkien, uh, Lovecraft. Oh God, wh- who am I forgetting here? There's tons and tons of stuff yeah. out there. Michael so we're Moorcock. at like three. Oh, we're at four. Michael <laughs> Moorcock. And there's more yes. and more and more. Anything, anything classic out there. I think Robert Heinlein's mentioned. Jen Lord, is Lord Dunsany, Andre yes. Norton. There you go. Uh, yes, uh, Lynn Carter, of course. Yeah, tons of them. Uh, that's actually one of the things that inspired the Sanctum Secorum is this list of Appendix N literature that really inspired Mr. Goodman when he was putting this together. And so many people we were finding on the uh, the G Plus community page, a lot of them had read it, but they still weren't quite making the connection. So we're actually going through and reading stuff and giving you a report on it. You know, hey, this is the stuff from here that you could bring to your table and stat for DCC. And this is the stuff that you may not realize, but it was obviously influenced by this literature. And you've already played it. You know, what about this scene in this module? That's straight out of this particular book. And if you like that, by the way, go pick up Dying Earth and read that. Right. Because if you like this thing, it's there. I mean, pretty I, much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, someone actually commented that uh, after the Manly Wade Wellman special, they went out and they couldn't wait anymore. They had to go buy the chained coffin set. Nice. And hey, that, that's awesome. I mean, we're also putting out some written material with it, kind of like a free zine, but it's um, it's a little bit of homework for us, but. It's also entertaining, and it gives me a chance to be a, a little research monkey, which I love. So there's a <clears> – <throat> to me, the cool thing about it is the – well, not only just the appendix, and you've got this great literature. I was an English and philosophy major in college, so I love this type of thing. But then it has this hook back to the founding of the hobby, right? The Dungeons & Dragons thing, Ernest and Gygax. It's got yes. that connection into AD&D, which tons of people have. Um, so, Jim, when you run in it, do you tend do you have a, a horde of grognards at your game? Do you get kids? What do you? I mean, what, what do you um, see? When I first started, it was primarily, uh, geez, my ta- half my table were prior GMs of mine. Okay, whether it was from Lovecraft, I, I think Lovecraft, D and D second, and then of course the hubby who's run pretty much everything for us and I'm just quaking in my seat and no pressure and the rest of the guys had usually played at least one of the versions of D&D whether it be first okay. second third 3.5 etc um, I will say that in our area not a lot of Pathfinder players are willing to make the conversion um, I don't know if it's because the numbers are too simple boiled down <laughs> Well, I mean, if you look at if you compare a Pathfinder, Sean and I talked about this. So, Sean, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on a spot for a second. One of the things you had he had played this before me, and we were talking about this at work, and I was kind of kind of if you will getting over Pathfinder, looking for something a little less crunchy, right? Pathfinder has that the newer the newer school or whatever the hell you want to call it. This kind of there's a rule for everything. Some people have said, and I started talking about this concept of you know I like rulings versus rules and so on. And Sean says, hey, that's like Dungeon Crawl Classics. Um, so Sean, what, when you saw DCC, what made you want to grab it, dude? What made you say, Hey, I want to pick this up. At least take a look at it. I don't even know how I came across it. Actually. I'm trying to remember, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Did I Just see some it? drunken gaming? Uh, bitch. 
helpful. Nice. I don't remember if it was at GaryCon or online. I don't remember. I bought it. I had a, so actually, it's funny. I went into the game store one time, and I had a cha- choice to buy Edge of the Empire or Dungeon Crawl Classics, and I went with DCC. So I bought that before Edge of the Empire, which is funny because we're playing that now. But um, it might have been GaryCon where I sat in on a game, or you know, I don't know if I met with Jen and the crew there so when i say jen and the crew there's a there's a good following that goes to gary con that plays dungeon crawl classics um and there's a very dedicated group yes and so i don't know if it was i met him through there and then i came back to work and said brett you should check out this game because it's really cool on how it works um but i don't know i don't know how i got it but i thought it was cool and I, i brought it up and and some of the things and jen can elaborate on help us elaborate on this the things that make it different from D&D or Pathfinder or some of the other games out there is I think it falls in between kind of your D20 standard game as well as the old school renaissance, even though a lot of people will lump DCC in the OSR. Um, but I still think it has like, I mean, it still has, well, we'll get into some of the details, but some of the things that are unique about it is every, everything is dangerous Everything is far away and wondrous. And I think that uh, things are, are big and unknown and full of mystery. So like the magic and monsters. And right? Sean, you and I talked about this before. One of the things, one of the problems that you and I have both shared over the years is that when you play your classic D&D or more modern ones, shit isn't scary. It's not wondrous anymore. If you're like, oh, it's red. It's this high. It's a goblin. Oh, it's a fucking cobalt. It's a this. It's a that. You get very used to certain things. And so taking a different twist or spin on it makes it new and scary and wondrous and dangerous. And now all of a sudden you're afraid of the thing that might be a kobold or it could be a demon lord. You're not quite sure. <laughs> just, because, just because it looks like a thing doesn't necessarily mean it is absolutely that thing. Right. So, Jen, when you, you've played other things from what you've alluded to, what, make, what makes DCC stand out to you? Why do you, why do you come back to it? Obviously, you're very involved in it. What's got um, it got it hooks in you? How did it get? How did it get it, to you and make you and make you and make you stay? Did um, a, a good friend of ours that uh, was one of the first gamers we met when we moved out here and didn't know a soul, uh, Troy Tucker, and he was part of our Cthulhu group for a while. He playtested D and D next with us, and he's run so many things for us and and vice versa. And, and by us, I mean of course the illustrious, you know. Bob, uh, but Bob is your husband. Had, yes. yes. He had, um, the free RPG day module for 2012 and said, Hey, I'm going to run this for you guys. And I was like, uh, okay. I I'd rather play something I know, but you know, okay, whatever. And, and, and free module, how good could a free module be? Uh, well, and, and you know, we'd done free RPG day before, but okay. You know, Troy's never steered us wrong yet. And he had gotten the pre-gens for him online like that day. And he hadn't had a chance to look it over yet. So we're all taking copies of the book from the shelf at the friendly local gaming store. And about half an hour in, I just, yeah, I, I was playing a cleric. And, okay, first off, I don't have a limited number of spells. Okay, what is this madness, really? <laughs> <laughs> this so is not different. I've seen before. What is this? But 
I really enjoyed uh, the Warhammer Fantasy system where you had the occupations. Yes. And so to me, it was taking a little part of that. And yeah, it, it took maybe half an hour before I was tugging on the shirt. Going, Honey, uh, g- go buy this. This is the one I'm going to run. Nice. The unpredictability of the magic is probably the final thing that did it for me. Because, I mean, you see this big tome, you get intimidated by it, but dude, really, the, the first 80 pages, and, and that's using big font and a whole lot of art, uh, that's all the, the average player is going to use in the book. Your casters are going to use the next third or half chunk of it, and the rest is for the judge. Good point. Yeah, that's a huge point, because when we talk about a 480-page-plus tome, we don't That's want, daunting. It is daunting, <laughs> and we don't want to turn people away from this because what Jen says is exactly on, spot on. A lot of it is made up by spells because each spell takes up at least one page. Right. And, you know, it was funny that the next couple of weeks I spent in that store as a little evangelist saying, no, you don't understand. There's only one book. There will only ever be this one book. Different printings of it, you know, as time progresses. But different yeah, covers, different printing. But this is your core. This is what you need. There's one book that that is what you need to be a player. Now, to be a judge, you may wish to buy the modules and the adventures if you aren't comfortable sandboxing something, uh, which I admittedly was not for about two two and a half years. But yeah, I would just sell them off the shelf basically at the store and. Nice. Started uh, when the store expanded, we got a nice big space to ourselves. Um, I had up to 11 regular players, or eight of them were regulars, and the other three would rotate in and out. Beautiful. You know, there'd, there'd be brand new people who had never role played before. And I think what appealed to them was the sense of the role play, the cooperative storytelling. The dice are just there to do the mechanics. And sometimes, if it, you know, if it's a social based thing, I'll hand wave the dice. Okay. It's more important that you tell me a story. Got so it. that's a good point. And the dice, we should maybe touch on the dice. I was going to say, we, uh, it's a good Jen, segue. Jen, just, yeah, Jen, Jen set us up really <laughs> awesome like, for the like five, six different things we got to get to in order here. I, or maybe some kind of order. We don't really have an order, but. Oh my God, an excuse to buy more dice. Totally. Yes, thank you, please. So now <laughs> when we got that, when we got back, when uh, to harken back to the Star Wars thing, I bitched about the funky dice with the symbols and whatever. And I, I said in the first episode of that, it's like, look, I own two sets, no, three sets of Dungeon Crawl Classics dice because they're dice. I'm a gamer. I'm going to get them. And we're talking, when I talk funky dice, I'm not talking like, you know, different symbols or whatever. I'm talking like a 24-sider, a 3-sider, uh, 30s. 30s aren't too funky, but these odd size, these, um, uh, what, 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 Zuchi, Zuki? I, I can't ever pronounce his name correctly. Zachi. Zachi, thank Zachi. you. Believe. The Zachi dice. They're Zachi. the... They're the odd <laughs> ones, right? You get like 24, 17, 15. I mean, there's tons of them out there. And there's a there's the funky dice, and there's a reason for them because there's a dice chain. Now, I'm going to step yes. back because I've not used this dice chain. You two folks, go back. I'm going to shut up for a second. How the hell do we use these dice? What, so, why do we have all so many? What's this uh, chain thing about? Yeah. There's a lot. How many? Do you know how many there are, Jen? Uh. <laughs> I, I can count. So we got, I mean, the, the D3, which actually 
I had had in my collection for years before. Three, you know, the four is regular. The D5 is new. There's a three, sixes, four, five. Sixes six. are sixes. The seven is new, obviously. Um, the eight. The nine is not officially in the DCC chain, but it was included by Impact Miniatures in the Kickstarter as like a little added bonus. So I'm like, you're going to make new dice for me. I'll use them. Hell yeah. So yeah, 10 percentiles. The 11 is another optional one. Uh, then there's the D12, the D14, the D16. The D18 is another optional. 20 and 22 was the fourth optional one they threw in. And then 24 and 30. And I think the main purpose of this is because so many instances in your combats, oh, well, I want to give this person a bonus here or... You know, this person over here is prone. It should be a minus four, you know, or, or he, his AC is at a minus four. And it's just easier to go, hey, use the next die up the chain. You're at plus one die. So for a so dude like roll me. Roll a 24 instead of a 20. Yeah. So for a guy like me who sucks at math, instead of adding fours and fives and twos and tens and divided by anything, I can look mm-hmm. at Jen and say, you know what? You're down. You're at D6. Sean, you're an advantage. You get a 20. You get a this. You, I can pass. Di- I can move you up and down the chain. And by doing that, your odds are immediately modified by just surely the, the number of faces and the dice in front of you. Cool. Okay. Right. Correct. Brett. Well done, Brett. Thank you. <laughs> I worked all day for that. I, 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 in front of a mirror, I worked that bit. So I'm good. Perfect. Excellent. <laughs> So you escalate, you de-escalate with them. Sean, when you've played and uh, you've run this before, how fast, Sean, I'm going to ask, ask you for it, how fast do people get the grip of it, right? So you're the, you're the judge. You've got this thing. You're going. You've got dice. Do players, do they pull a Brett on you and just go, I don't understand these funky dice like I did to you in the Star Wars thing? Or do they get it quick? <laughs> are, they fa- are they faster than me? I'm, pr- I'm assuming they are. But does so, it go quick? How, 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 well, uh, how hard is it to grok this? Dude? Well, with any role-playing gamer, it depends on their level and whether they can grok the dice quicker or not. And I say that because you can get somebody at the table that's has not role-played very often, and they, don't, they really don't know the dice at all, period regardless of what game they're playing. So they yeah, may not. Times you told someone to grab a D8 and they pick up the 10. This one? Yeah, exactly. Know, it, it takes right. time. They don't know. So with this game, if they know role-playing games, they can typically look at the die type and figure it out. So if you tell them a D14, yeah, they'll probably have to look at how many sides are to one die, but it looks like the the D10 with two more pips on, or two more sides on each tilt. I don't know. Yeah. Side. Yeah. So Jen, you've run a you've run this obviously a bunch more than even Sean. Um, how fast do new newbies grab this thing? Um, I've got one that's been in my group for probably two years. That today she still had a problem, uh, but that's okay. I she enjoys playing, and at this point, we only get together every two to three weeks, and so it, I think it actually. It was helpful when we were doing it on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. And then even the kids who had never role-played before, they would just line their dice up in a row and go, okay, that's my 10. That means there's 12. There's my 14. 
so they, everyone has their own learning curves. And really, if the dice are that important to play, I'll just throw it to her and say, hey, roll this. Roll this one. Okay. So one of the things that when Sean and I talked about it, and I hinted at it before, and when I picked up the book and read it the first time, the concept of rulings versus rules. And that's something I've done <clears throat> my entire gaming uh, career is that I prefer to kind of pa- you know make a judgment call based on what seems to be there. So that feels to me in when I read it to be the o- one of the overriding, you know, rules about everything, right? You've got these these funky dice, you can do escalation, de-escalation. Sometimes the rules may say hey, a fighter gets this or a dwarf has that from a dice perspective. But if you don't get the dice, that's okay because it's rulings over rules. The the mechanical components of this are not all that complicated, really. No, I, I think the um, the attack rolls are probably the most crucial as far as dice are concerned. Uh, well, that and, and spell casting. But we, we'll probably get into that one next show at this pace. <laughs> <laughs> at this pace. I'm a little slow. A little slow today. That's fine. So, Sean, let's talk about some of the basic mechanics, huh? So we've got saves and armor class. Do we do descending armor class or ascending armor class? Ascending. Ascending. Okay. Yeah, so there's here's where some of the elements of like a standard E20 game come into play. So the, the three O derivatives, which would be the saves are will, fort, and reflex. So if you've mm-hmm. played a three O D20 game, those are pretty standard. And the modifiers for those are, you know, plus one, plus two, plus three, plus four, whatever depending on level. And then the AC is nice because it's ascending. So the higher the roll, the better, right? Brett, fat fat coal minus 10. I've already come come off the fact that I don't need my charts. I got it. Ascending is better than descending. (laughs) Fine, fine, fine. Moving on. It is far easier. Yes. It's Uh, just so much easier and simpler. Yeah. yeah, So I think those are the, um, well, and then you have the, the, the abilities too, which aren't noted in our notes, but they're the standard abilities. Uh, actually, no, maybe we should get into, well, the ability scores. So now a lot of game systems, we talk D20, the D20 is a critical hit or ones are fumbles. Well, we that's talk, a, that's we a whole nother ball game. Hit charts and stuff. I think let's get into that. When we would talk combat later on. Yeah. Right. But there's some funky, cool stuff. We've hinted at this when we talk critical charts a couple episodes back, but Characters, I want to play this thing. This sounds sexy. This sounds cool. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to make it. I want a Dwarven Ranger. Can I do that? Brett ranges everything on sexiness. I do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You could probably do it if you were using one of the Crawl Zines. Okay. Uh, What's a Crawl Zine, Jen? Crawl Zine, uh, Reverend Dak Ultimac has a fanzine called Crawl with an exclamation point. It's very important. Um, He's at DreCouchesPress, I want to say, dot .com. Okay. And they've currently got 11 issues out. I'm, hell, they've got an ad in the very first uh, printing of the book. So he's been around for a while, and some of his rules I use as, you know, biblical text in my game. Awesome. I, I love the the shields shall be splintered and even the, the alternate rules for things like rolling over the body, you know, which 
Oh, I'm I'm terribly sorry to confuse people who may not have played this before, but it's <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm gonna stop you for a second. So let's. I'm enthusiastic. That's Points okay. For that, no, right? it, this is why you're here. Um, so when we talk it though, this reminds me a lot of the what I would consider the the Frank Mesner red boxy type thing, where yeah. a dwarf is a dwarf is a class, elf is a class, fighters a class, um, warrior. Warrior. Thank you. <laughs> so I have when I talk to a few gamer types like oh that feels almost too old school or too something or other and then i flipped i show them the book and i'm like look dwarf has these type of progression components or halfling elf um warrior and the different yeah. the different cool features of it i really i it doesn't feel hmm, how do i do this Stunted. i don't it doesn't feel stunted and i don't feel the need to be a dwarven warrior or a human rogue i don't feel that like i'm, I'm worried about mixing the race and the class, like I've got to have this combination as I usually do in D&D, that call back to the the uh, the old the older one, the Moldave uh, and the Mensner Red Boxy type thing is pretty strong, and I think it's kind of cool. I've run that type of game before, so that's that works for me. Right, and race is class in this one. Yep. Uh, if you're not a race, you're a human. And you know, you're, you're always welcome to house rule. Otherwise, but you know, as written, you've got the cleric, the thief, the warrior, and the wizard. And unless you roll your occupation, otherwise, yeah, that's your race will be human. So, Sean, uh, you've talked about this with me before. When we talk about occupation, and such there is DCC has the funnel, right? So when you start out, you can start out with, and this is the thing I think that I've heard a lot of people who are fans of it tell me that. Dude, have you done a funnel yet? Oh, if you if you've never played before, you got to play a DCC funnel. And my first one, what the fuck is a funnel? So you know, I read the book <laughs> and I figure it out. But Sean, tell me what what's a funnel? How do we do this? Well, Brad, you pour your oil through it when you <laughs> want to don't want to make a mess in your engine. Nice. But in addition to that, in DCC, you start out with zero level characters. And if you play true to the game, which in the beginning of the DCC book, it actually asks you, look, just trust us, do, the, do it this way, and you'll have fun. You'll enjoy it. You'll find a different aspect of gaming and role-playing games. And that is like you roll your abilities randomly, right? It's typically the 3D6, and you, 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 and this, and you assign it to the ability that you want. But you start out zero level. You are not a class at zero level. So you are plumber. You have a career or, you know, that respect. So you come from that background. So you'll be cook, uh, baker, rope maker, blacksmith are just some of them, whatever you come up with. Now, if you're dwarf or elf, then you will, in, in halfling, you will inevitably be, become those classes after the funnel. But essentially, when you create all your zero levels, you typically have anywhere between four and six per player. Jen, you can interrupt me anytime when I start straying off course. No, you're fine. Hey, we don't we don't hear your that. Your mile often. your mileage may vary. You your <laughs> mileage may vary indeed. Um, but the, the the and the whole principle of it is you are tired of slaving away doing what you're doing every day and you're out to make it rich, strike it rich. And so you adventure out to find the gold, 
where they're the treasure, or the hoard, or the rumors of riches over the hills. And so when you play a funnel, you're playing zero level individuals, and they have two hit points, three hit points, four hit points. And because of the lethality of Dungeon Crawl, the, the mortality rate, I should say, of Dungeon Crawl Classics, whoever survives the funnel typically will level up to, to level one. And that's your character. And that's your usual, that's your character. Now, back in the day, ah, I hate to sound all crusty old. Back in the day, <laughs> Brett. But. We used to play it like that. We would have, well, at least we did, played four-player characters, even at level one. AD&D did have level zero. Yes, it did. But we would play that, and we'd have four, and we'd always kind of covet the one we wanted to survive, right? Yeah, so if you wanted the magic user, I had him, and I had two, three extra fighters, and i just throw the meat shields in front of the mage all day long. Exactly. Make sure the mage survived. Right. And so there is a bit of that. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that before, but yes, I've sacrificed many a fighter for my magic user. So the people that will poo-poo this type of method, like, hey, I really don't like that at all. Like, I want to create my character initially on what I want that character to be. I, w- I have the concept I want it to be that way. Where this is unique, where people that go through the funnel and they have the characters that actually survive, you actually become more attached to those because they've gone through such turmoil and battles or whatever. They're, yes, it truly is character right? building. It yes, is, right, absolutely. Jen? I can see it. One of the things that Jen talked about, and I've got the occupation list in front of me, is if you've ever played Warhammer, first edition especially, you had these weird, you could be a rat catcher is one of the more famous ones. Rat catcher, a dwarven tunnel fighter. Brett a, said, uh, Brett said before he wanted to be a project manager. I was going to be a rat catcher. He was going to be a rat catcher. And I found out <laughs> I'm basically doing the same goddamn job. Um, but getting paid getting, more. <laughs> getting paid more than now, a rat catcher. The fan, title is fancier. That's right. But you've got everything from, I've got alchemist, armorer, astrologer, dwarven herder. Elven barrister, gambler, uh, grave digger, halfling chicken butcher, I shit you not, a halfling mm-hmm. dyer, um, herder, herbalist, indentured servant, jesters. We've got nobles, orphans, now, outlaws. Brett, you're going to name a table off of like and, 100 yeah, of them. It's just, it's awesome. There's like 90 plus of these things. It's just the you roll random, a percentile. It's yeah. very cool. And, and each get, one comes with its own trained weapon and trade goods. Absolutely. So you get right out of the gate whipping these. I mean, guess making these characters is not hard. No. So it's not like a Pathfinder game, for example, where you sit down and you crunch through the numbers and figure out your feet progression and, and whatever else you want to do there. And but it's very, very fast. So you can crank out four or five first level characters or excuse me, zero level characters in this case to go through a funnel in pretty, uh, pretty quick time, I think. Yeah, I think Sean's actually a little bit more lenient than I am because I have you roll three d six all the way down. That's Ooh. yes, that is strength, that is agility, the way. stamina, personality, and then depending on which character sheet you're using, it's either intelligence or luck, and then vice versa. Which gets confusing when you're transferring them to your first level character sheet. You know, after you survive the funnel, but got it. Okay. Yeah, so that's a, that's a good point. That is the way you should do it. Is right down three to six down down the ability. You know, so many people complain about that, but I actually like playing the flawed characters. Like, yes, give me the little guy with a stamina of six, and you know all these negative modifiers and a single hit point. Because now, guess Let- what? He's got character. My character's got character now, right? Exactly. 
what good is it to have all these maxed out things? Because then you actually stop being special. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. We know you can hit whatever. My mom would tell me I never stop being special, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) Your mom lied to you, Sean, just like mine lied to me. Oh, damn it. So we've talked about, I think we've touched on this before, perhaps not in depth, but this is one of those games where much like Star Wars Edge of the Empire and other game systems, Sean and I have have hinted at or whatever, if you want to play the game, you need to play the game. If you come in a Dungeon Crawl Classics, oh, I don't know if I like this, that... You have to be willing to try it, right? I don't, as I said before, I'll say it again. I'm not a big Star Wars guy. However, I'm like, I want to learn the system. I want to get into it. And Sean still hates me for not liking Star I Wars. I do totally hate you, man. I can't even believe I'm a friend of yours still. We're not friends anymore. Oh, this is well. just professional now. Oh, true. Anyway, <laughs> anyway I Feeling really love <laughs> it. It says that, I mean, like, as Sean states, and as Jen calls out too, I mean, it tells you in the book, it, seriously, trust us. I mean, <laughs> Goodman uses those words trust me, try this. Give it a shot, and it's going to be fun. The spirit of the game, the whole game, is built around this type of adventuring and this type of environment. Um, so we're, it's worth going in there right out of the gate in that spirit and in that approach because you're going to have a hell of a lot more fun with the game than if you try to bring a different game's approach or a different game's mentality to your Dungeon Crawl Classics game. It probably won't mesh. If you try to bring Pathfinder or D&D 4E or Savage Worlds into this, it's not going to be the same. You're going to be di- you're going to find yourself disappointed. Get in the spirit of DCC and go, and I think you're going to like it better. Bravo. Well wow. Thank you. <laughs> Jeez. So let's talk more about our characters here. We've got, Jen, you ran through. We've got strength, agility, stamina, personality, right. intelligence, luck. Mm-hmm. The luck is the one that I look at I go, okay, I get strength, agility, stamina, personality, charisma, thing, intelligence, I get that. Luck. What's Luck seems, anytime I've seen it in a game before, that's like this really cool thing. What does luck What's luck here? I mean, how does this luck work? is a stat that after any roll, you can burn your luck to add to the success of your roll. Whether so what, it's if I your burn attack, something, how, damage, yeah. What happens when I'm burning my stats? So if I've got a twelve in luck and I burn it, what what do I do? How do I burn something? Well, it depends on what level you are. Oh. Um, if you're zero level, doesn't matter. You know, there's no class to bother with. You're not getting that back. So whatever your luck is, your luck is. Now, once you zero get to level, luck- I got a twelve luck, and I say I'm going to burn two luck or one or whatever I'm allowed. It's gone. right. It's like hit right. Points. Okay. Um, now you do get a little uh, birth auger that's based on your luck modifier, and that will never change. And that's got some pretty cool stuff, like uh, born on horseback, you get a plus one to your mounted combat rolls. Or, you know, whatever your luck modifier and is at the time of care gen, that's what your birth auger uh, remains. And there's been a lot of discussion on that in communities and forums and everything because so many people end up with just an average score and a zero modifier. Yeah, at that point, if the players start grumping, I feel it's up to the judge to make any concessions. But moving on from that, once your first level... And further, thieves and halflings regenerate their luck. So if you have 12 luck as a thief, uh, not only do you get to 
roll a specific die based on your level to see how much luck you get to add to that roll, at the end of the day, you can regenerate a point of that luck, just like you could regenerate a point of one of your physical stats. Very cool. A halfling being the little luck battery of the group, the halfling can burn a luck and give two points of luck to anybody in his party. Oh, and, okay. So and he's then there. As, he's the luck battery. Nice. So we're playing. You and I, Sean and I are going. You're running us into some crazy insanity. And poor Sean's down. I, and I'm the halfling. Boom, I throw some luck over to my partner. Nice. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's about to be just splattered onto the wall. He's got one shot left to make this happen. I don't know and if I'm save he's. Him. Oh man, he, he's, <laughs> he's down by three. He needs three points to assist on the attack, and you know he he can he can spare one point of luck before it puts him down to like a two or something. I can throw a little. And extra. you can throw one point, which counts as two for him. Nice. And then at the end of the day, you regenerate that. Okay. Cool. So <clears throat> luck luck is also kind of a. a bendy thing for the judge because the person with the lowest luck is often the poor sap that keeps getting attacked from behind while you guys are traipsing through the forest. Okay. So for the, anyone out there, uh, Phil Vecchio, I'm looking at you. If you've played Amber before, <laughs> Diceless, um, Amber has a thing called good stuff and bad stuff. If you've got bad stuff, that means the nasty shit happens to you. And I think there may be other game systems that do this, but that's the one that jumps to my brain right now. If you're a guy in Amber... And your character, she's got, you know, five and bad stuff, and no one else in the group has five and bad stuff. Guess who gets shot in the head, right? It's you. Um, whatever the nasty thing, bad luck happens, it's you. So that's kind you of You become cool. the target. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's it's not it's luck isn't a dump stat. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, luck also comes into it uh when you get knocked unconscious or you're bleeding out. Yeah, you know, your friends can recover you. But you need to make a luck roll, and that's under your current luck, in order to have that be successful. Okay. So the higher level players get, uh, I've got one sixth level player in my game that his max luck is now seven. That means he's got to roll a seven or lower to be resurrected, or or revived, I should say. Never say the resurrect word. Uh in order to continue play as this character. And that's on a D20. On a D20. Yes. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. Yes. It it gets tricky. So we're talking about burning stats. Now the luck one, the reason I say uh zipped in on luck is because luck is very fr- is fresh and new to the to the stat block to, in my eyes anyway. So yeah. I can burn strength, I can burn agility and stamina. Why would I burn my stats? What what how do I use that in the game? For the physical stats, uh you would you would specifically look at burning those if you were an elf or a wizard casting arcane spells. You can do what's called spell burn. Spell burn. So when we talk oh, about magic, which is clearly where Job got the name from. Yes. <laughs> All right. So if I decide to, uh, if I'm doing some little little extra oomph I need in my spell, I can suck my strength or stamina or my agility dry or drier. You never want to go under three, but oh, okay. Keep in mind you. If you burn your stamina down or you lose your stamina by certain you know, effects or whatnot, uh, that can affect your hit point total, too. Just like losing con in D&D. Got it. Okay. 
Okay. But, yeah, uh, there's a, a table in here, uh, Spellburn Actions, and it's just kind of a, a rough guideline. Uh, you get to roll a d24. Yay, more weird dice. Love it. And then, you know, maybe the wizard sees maggots dripping from his sleeves and he's got to slice his arms to get them out. <laughs> and, no. Oh my God. You know, th- that's just the action to tell the story about okay. why you're knocking your stats down. Okay. Don't just make it a mechanical thing on your sheet and oh, tell me, Oh, I'm adding, I'm adding four points to my spell casting. No. How are you doing it? Got it. Uh, it it's very much for me in the lines of when you're playing a dwarf or a wizard, or I'm, I'm sorry, a warrior brain, uh, you get what's called a deed die as opposed to just a, a basic plus one, plus two, et cetera, as you level up. So the, uh, your dwarves that gets your, to your attack. Yeah, your dwarves and your warriors, those are your main frontline fighters mm-hmm. types anyway. And this deed die, if I'm recalling, let me, I'm going to throw this at you. This is basically what I, I've talked to other people like, you know those cool feats that used to, the, those fighter feats? Exactly. It was, it's like that. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Uh, precision shot is usually the, the most common. And, you know, as a level two, you get to add a d4 to your roll and it, you know, progress starts at a D three and progresses from there, and so you roll that D four along with your D twenty on your attack, and I see you rolling it at my table. What are you doing? Oh, I'm attacking. No, how are you doing it? It's a mighty deed. Make it cinematic. <clears throat> okay. It, it it puts me back in mind of Seventh uh, Sea, a pirate game by AEG that was out in the oh geez. Yeah, John Wick, John Wick is John yes. Wick is actually redoing it right now. Yes, I'm excited to see that. Uh, one of the passages in there is, you know, with such and such a stat, when you're doing this action, you're not just swinging from the line from one deck to the other. You are Errol fucking Flynn. Yeah, exactly. So make it pretty. And that's, yeah, the, those to me, that's the mighty deed. Okay, Sean. Now I want to talk a little bit about some of the charts. We've talked oh. a little. You, you and I talked about charts with critical hits and so forth. Before we get in, I want to talk about a little bit more about classes, possibly and skills and whatnot. But you've played. Obviously, Jen's Jen's really good at the rules. She runs with us. You are probably not as good as the rules as Jen. Um, but anyway, when <laughs> <laughs> I got to hit him. So, Sean, when you've played. Um, DCC with the charts for all these different components. There's a lot of really cool charts in here, critical hit fumbles and other, other great things in there. When you're doing it, how encumbering does that feel to you? Do you, uh, do the charts help the game? Do they flow? Do they flow quick or, or how's it, how's it impacted your, your speed, if you will? So what Brett, I'm all about speed. So what Brett is referring to uh, is the tables that make up the dungeon crawl classics role-playing game. There are a lot of tables. But having said that, they're they're fun tables. Yes, and they're legible tables. Yes. They're not shrunk down in like six-point fonts. Yes, and they're not cross-reference goofy tables <gasps> like armor class tables in AD&D. Hello! Or, or some of the spells in First Ed. Yeah, QV, this spell. Yeah. Oh, really? Like, Q, QV means what? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Latin abbreviations refer to. Yes, Great. So a lot of we're not going to get into magic this week. I don't think. I think we should talk about that. I don't have time time. for that, right? Because there's (laughs) there's crit there's crit tables, fumble tables. There's magic tables that you roll on. There's what am I missing? I think those are the main ones. Yeah, but there's a lot of them. And that's about it for for the players. Yes. 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 And the cool thing is because the way the classes are, there's a dwarf. There's a dwarf crit. There's an elf crit type of thing, right? I mean, it, it tells you, yo, you're this thing. You're in this. This is your chart. This is your chart. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if there. I'm playing a halfling, I don't really have to bother too much whether the warrior, what the warrior's chart looks like. I have my own chart to bother through to figure out what happens with my fumbles and so forth and my crits. And if I'm not a wizard, I don't necessarily need on a player's side. It's not very cumbersome to me to have to worry about the spell charts because that's the wizard's problem and the cleric's problem. Right. And, you know, there is, there's only one table for fumbles. Okay. Fair. Acro- Good point. Across the board. And yeah, that falls in the same camp of there's been some grumbling. So people home rule their own or one of the best things about that G plus community is the amount of material that's just put out there by all the other players. Hey, I made this additional fumble table for my magic users at, Oh, Hey, that that's kind of cool. Maybe I'll print that, put it in my little book of tricks. So Jen, but, how, so my question is how fast does it impact speed? Now I've said this before on the show for anyone who's listened to me before is I want my mechanics to be background noise when I can, or the, so basically fast mm-hmm. resolution. When you're hitting these charts, is it is it, does it feel fast to you, or do people stumble over um, it? Oh. It's all it's the, I mean, it's, the, it's totally it's, kind of, it's totally kind like, of a mixed bag. It depends on uh, at this point. It depends on if you're using the hmm. judge's screen, like the okay. one that was released for Free RPG Day, specifically has the fumble chart in there, as well as Crit Table One, which is for all zero level characters and incidentally all wizards. But that's based on the fact that most of the road crew games that are done are funnels. Okay. So you have that chart and you don't, or the screen rather, <clears throat> and you don't need a whole lot of other stuff. Funnels are the easiest thing to judge because you don't have the extra abilities, the spell casting, the mighty deeds, all of that good stuff. Okay. I'm going to give, I'm going to give props to Tom Hall. You know, Tom, Jen. Oh yeah. He played. Yeah. So Tom, Showed up to Job's game, the first DCC game I ever played at GaryCon. Oh my goodness! And I met yeah, I uh, met Tom. The this, one who want to watch us from below? Uh, yes. Yep. I played that with you. Yes, you did. That was the first okay. time I met you. Yep. Okay. And Tom passed out his character sheets for oh. zero level funnels, and the, they were the, the size tiny, yes. of a business card. I still carry those with me. Right. And he this passed them out. Brilliant. Yeah. On a business card. And that evening, uh, <clears throat> Doug Kovacs ran a little thing that was off book. And I made a second level dwarf on that little card. Right. Well, yeah. I, I, I don't need a whole lot of room for this, this, and this. Um, but getting back to your question, Brett, yeah. uh, for full leveled play, especially campaigns or whatnot, or, or higher level play, uh, if you have an experience table, it really helps because one player has the they're flipping to the page already for the crit table while the other person rolls the dice. Got it. So it it becomes a really seamless thing. 
Okay. The other yeah. piece is that just for folks out there, right? DCC, it's a it's a tome, right? From a hardcover perspective, I love my hardcover, so I've got one. I also do have the PDF. You can get the PDF and uh, drive through RPG. I think they just—I don't know if the sale is still on, but they had a sale not that long ago on them where they were where it was actually. I mean, they're <laughs> go to drive through RPG. The price of it, it's definitely worth it's definitely worth your dollar to look at it. And so, what I'm getting at is once you have a PDF. If you're the judge or the player and you want to print the components or just keep those pieces, modify the PDF a little bit just to have your own personal stack of those things in your e-reader or whatever, that can be very helpful, right? So that's how when I started hacking through stuff, I started taking the different character sheets and stuff and and creating my own little folders to have on my iPad. So that way I went, oh, here's my charts for my fumbles and stuff, and I would use my book for something different. So. It's, oh, yeah. I've seen people laminate the pages and yeah, put them in a binder. Makes sense. Uh, you know, or if they're playing a dwarf and they're X level, you know, the only thing they really need to look at is some of the combat stuff and the mighty needs of arms. And so they'll print that stuff out, and that's what they keep with their character sheet. So they don't have to lug the book around all the time. Okay. Sean, what have you got in your hand there, the buddy? The best reference. This is the bomb. Jen knows what I'm talking about. This is the DCC yeah. reference sheets. Okay. It's a, it's a, let's see how many page That's booklet. a Lulu printing. This right? is? No, I got this from, um, who did I get this from? Roy uh, Schneider. From oh, okay. the DCC. So Roy Schneider does cons for Joseph. Right. And he had it in there with some of the zines that you could just buy. Oh, very cool. So I, I've seen them on uh, Lulu as well. You can get them printed individually. Yeah. Very so nice. this is the this is the bomb because it has a lot of the tables that you need and it's all in one booklet. So you don't have to page through the big tome. You just pull it up and you can mark the pages. It's really easy and flexible. Well, and, and that should show how cool Joseph Goodman is because that little book reuses almost every single table from the book with his permission yes that is pretty freaking cool <laughs> yeah and doug doug did who the, does that doug no, did the uh, cover <laughs> yeah. yeah doug kovacs provided the art cover artwork for that one i think uh jeremy duram is the one that put that together yes Just to give yep. credit where credit is due yep jeremy duram yep editor and lay- editing and layout and then uh Yep, Have yep. I mentioned how awesome the third-party publisher community is with this group? Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, so obviously, Sean, we're running a little on the long side here, dude. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to have an episode two. There's no two ways around. Jen, it. are you up for episode two? I can probably wing it. Part Sweet. duh. Part duh. <laughs> Sweet. Part duh. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we've teased enough of the different bits and pieces and got enough of the basics, if you will, concepts out there. Next time through Jen and Sean, what I'm thinking, we'll, we'll, we'll throw this out there via emails and the and plus posts and so on. I want to kind of, obviously we got to talk Spellburn. We got to talk how magic works, not only from the wizard perspective, but from the cleric world. And I also want to talk a little bit about the combat and how the, uh, the narrative components play into this. Because some people have... A lot of times you talk OSR, people are like, yeah, but the mechanics don't always support a style of play or whatever it is. And I really believe when I read through DCC, the spirit and the feel of this game makes me want to play it the way Goodman wants it played. And I think that's something worth talking about. 
Uh, the only limitation is your player's imaginations. Absolutely. Sean, are you good with that, man? Yeah, I'm good with that. Let's get into die roll. Let's do it. All right. Die roll. 2D4. Miscellaneous points of topics of gaming and geekery we want to bring to your attention. Brett has three this week. I have four, but I will only go with three. Awesome. Jakes. So, <laughs> so it basically, uh, what Jen says, uh, Purple Sorcerer Games, they have one of the first uh, things I started looking for because I didn't have the dice at first. I'm like, okay, there's got to be a die roller out there. The Crawler Companion, uh, purplesorcerer.com uh, forward slash crawler.php. We've got a link in the show notes. Check those guys out. It's a free app for your iPhone. I think there's also for Android and stuff. It's a really cool tool. You can roll dice. It has critical charts in it. It has all sorts of really cool stuff. If you're going to play DCC and you have a mobile device you want to muck with, you don't have the dice, this is a good way to get a hold of it. A little electronic die roll at the table. It's free. It's really cool. Second one I had was at Evercon. I picked up Three Cheers for Master. It's a little card game by Atlas Games. Link in the show notes. Uh, Ken and Robin had mentioned it a few times as a promo spot on their podcast. I bought it. Um, my son, AJ, and I figured it out. He loved the game so much, he then spent time teaching my friends how to play it. So he went around the little room we were in, this little you know nine-year-old boy. Hey, I got to teach you how to play this game. It was so fun. Basically, what you're trying to do is build cheerleading pyramids out of minions to please Master. And then you've got, because <laughs> Master's depressed. And you have all these cards you play on each other to cause fights within them and the pyramids to collapse and... Whoever has the most points in the end wins, and whoever loses gets eaten. So it's a hoot. He loves that game, and by God, it's fun. Have you ever it's played it, Jen? I haven't, but now I want to. It is fun. It's just it's a it's a it's a hoot. Um, the other one I stole this one before Sean could get at it. The the curse of Strahd. I think I totally misspelled the that cure here. of Strahd. I, I, I forgot the yes. I had the cure. God, that was terrible. Good help um, is so hard to find. I know. <laughs> The Curse of Strahd. So, um, link out there. Basically, um, if you listen to our bonus BS episode from GameholeCon, where we interview, where we listen to Chris Perkins, um, he talked about it, and Sean and I both said, uh, clearly, it's Ravenloft. Duh. Next, well, duh. Guess what? Ding, ding, ding. Brett and Sean are right. We can read very obvious paintings on walls like anybody else. And there you go. So we, so we got your number. Hey, we got your number, Chris Perkins. Exactly. Your very obvious clues towards the direction we were going did not go, were not lost upon our keen senses. wonder if it but had I, anything to do with him slipping me a sticky note that said Strahd on it. It might have. <laughs> that didn't happen. Anyway, yeah. um, March 15th, look for that. Link in the show notes. If you haven't seen it here or heard about it already, um, it'll be out all over the place because it's D&D. So that's what I got. Sean, over to you, man. All right. How to run a DCC RPG tournament funnel. Jen, where'd I Good get choice. where'd I get this thing? Spellburn.com. Uh, it sounds like something Mr. Wampler wrote. Did he? Yes. Jim? Okay, awesome. Speaking yeah. of uh old school guys, I mean, just for anybody who doesn't know Mr. Jim Wampler. Speaking he, of an old school guy, I mean has I, he has he been around a while? Is he new to this sport? I mean, has he uh, uh, wait, Jim Wampler? Yeah. I'm neither his mom nor his publicist, so I'm not <laughs> qualified to answer either of those. <laughs> Old school TSR guy. Um, I bumped into him a couple times at different cons. S- super cool dude. A lot of fun. I follow him on uh, Facebook. 
great guy. A lot of fun. Anyway, sorry. Total aside there. Sean, keep going. I think Jim might be on the same podcast panel at GaryCon this year. I don't oh, know yeah. if Jen knows about this. Um, Probably not. Okay. I live under a rock. That's okay. Anyways, <laughs> moving okay. on. Never mind, Jen. Anyways, <laughs> Spellburn podcast. Come on. If you want to, if you want to know about Dungeon Crawl Classics, check out Spellburn. You guys check out Jen and the gang at Spellburn. Job, Jim, who's over there? Jeffrey's still over there. Uh, Jeffrey Tedlock, Job Bittman, and myself. Um, due to writing deadlines and constraints, and just overall real life stuff, uh, Jim isn't with the normal lineup at this point. Gotcha. Got it. But he is still. He's still one of my boys, so yeah. <laughs> He's still part of the motorcycle gang over there. If you see their pictures over over there, they they make that was they, so much fun. They make Brett they they put Brett to shame. Brett Brett looks like a little powder puff girl. <clears throat> I look like a little powder puff girl oh, next to terrible. the gang over at Spellburn. Now I've got no damn. Now I got to go hang out with these guys. Just I got to up my cred. Yeah, you got to check them out. <laughs> uh, got to fix my image. Number three, Dungeon Crawl Classics G Plus community. So definitely, if, if you're not on G plus get over there. And then if you're a DCC fan or you want to know more about DCC, join the community link in the show notes. I'll tell you what, one of the cool things about G plus, just a quick piece. Sean, I've said this before. Um, troll numbers way down. Cool gamers who want to tell you cool gaming shit way up compared to like a Facebook or other social environments. You go on Google plus grab a community like this one. You're going to find people that are passionate about the game and want to work with you and support you. We have the same thing in the other communities I see. It's the place, quite frankly, social media-wise, for gamers to, to uh, collaborate and collect themselves. It's a really good place to be. So there, and you Brett, don't have to worry about other people touching your damn dice. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so there, Brett has just isolated all our Facebook fans. Thank you. And you can email Brett at gamingmbs.com forward slash we're mad at, uh, and subject line, we're mad at Brett. Yeah, I'm fine with that. People Num- are mad at me all the time. Number <laughs> four, Dungeon Crawl Classics Home on the Web. So you can find it and know more over at goodmangames.com. It's actually goodman-games.com. But it's important to know since we're talking about it, check them out. And then I will also add a link to the crawl where, where you can find Crawl Zine. And I'll add a link to that awesome. as well. So um, Perfect. People, so Jen, part of the show, you didn't take part in die roll, but as every guest, we run them through skill check. Are you ready for skill check? Uh, she looks ready. Go. She's like, get, what get is her skill before check? she moves. Sure. <laughs> hit her before she runs. Dude, go fast, quick. All right, Jen. This is a series of five, well, four, depends on which way you go. Random questions to get to know you as a gamer. Are you ready? Um they're, Blue. they're very easy. Jen, Jen. <laughs> she's, she's sharp. Yes. She's very sharp. Player or GM? Um, judge. Okay. Judge. Such a rebel. <laughs> Have we met? <laughs> Such a rebel. All right. Judge. Screen or no screen? Uh, no screen. Ooh. Let the players see their doom. Modules or original content? Both. Oh, you that's an either or you have a preference I, if you were if you um, had to, if you if I said, hey, look, you're gonna do one or the other. Um probably module then, especially if it's short notice. Okay. Balanced encounter or screw balance? Screw balance. Favorite RPG. Like Jen all the time. No brainer. 
I don't know that one, Jen. Is that a new one? It's the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game, as opposed to the just the DCC line, which is like the first 61 modules that were put out for uh, various versions of that other game. Well done. That was Jen and her skill check. Well done. Thank you so much. All right. So, sponsor. We'll get into the sponsor. Go over to greatout.etsy. Dot com and support our sponsor, Great Out Productions, buy yeah, a dice bag. Yeah, yeah, so if you buy DCC dice. You need a dice bag, duh. Duh. Uh, use a gaming NBS, all one word, uh, promo code to get 10% off your order. Um, you want a DCC themed something, get a hold of Michael. Tell him what you're looking for. He'll do custom stuff. So get a hold of him. He does good work. Thanks, Michael, for sponsoring the show. Patrons show brought to you by patrons like Joe Swick and Kevin Lovecraft and new patron Tony Baker. Thanks, Tony, for supporting the show. Final Jen. words. Jen, where can where can people find you on the web if they want to know more about what Jen's got going on? Oh, geez. Um, well, there's redstripypants.blogspot.com, which is probably not as active as it should be there's spellburn.com there's sanctum.media for the sanctum Scorum podcast uh g plus facebook yeah um stuff <laughs> jen's all over the place awesome thanks for joining <sighs> yes. us jen i appreciate you put up with our shenanigans jen thank you thank you for having me hopefully and... you will stick us out till next episode I can probably make it here. Yay! We didn't we didn't turn her off. She doesn't hate us. Yay. Yet. <laughs> we got one more episode. So thanks for tuning in. We are going to be covering DCC a little bit more involved in the second parter of next week. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all. <laughs>